Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Stoics held that material objects alone existed. But imminent in the material universe was a spiritual force which acted through them, manifesting itself under many forms, as fire, ether, spirit, soul, reason, the ruling principle. Welcome to Elements Ether, the 186th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of the last emperor of Pax Romana, Marcus Aurelius. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother, and we're very glad to have you listening to us again yes, today. As, as we continue our Elements series. As we series. continue our Elements series. Obviously, Carr is not with us. He yeah. is suffering from a migraine Get due again. to weather triggers. Mm-hmm. But we're here, and we're talking about ether. Mm-hmm. Ether, ether. I've never been ether, sure how to pronounce ether. it. I've but I decided to just pick ether and stick ether. to it. I, I think it's ether. That's I think how so. I've heard it pronounced. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like how in Greek, demon is yeah. pronounced demon, even though it's spelled D-A-E-M-O-N. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's like that. I think mm-hmm. the, the A and the E together are just pronounced like an E. Could be. In English, Could be. I think. But yeah. it is spelled A-E-T-H-E-R. Uh-huh. But before we get into all that, we have housekeeping. Yep. So... First things first. <laughs> I gotta pull this up. It's that time again mm-hmm. to read all the names of the patrons. We have 41 kittens. We love you, kittens. Thank you, kittens. We have 28 cats, and their names are Ashley Harkins, Amber Ullman, Kelly Burt, Erin Kathleen, Nova Misko, Annabelle Lee, Firesong, Kelly Flower, Rose Shepherd, Abby, Chris Mickelson, the Dryad, JD, Claire K.R. Miller, Cabra, Michael Adonisio, Maddie Cunis, JT, Christine Phillips, Squiggy, Elisa Durka, Coney Briggs, Shokora, Rebecca Hillman, Laura Loki, Cindy Barrick, Jasmine Ray Bell, and M. Tyvalsari. We love you, cats. We do. We now have 59 hunters, and their names are Misa Sky, Sierra, Fanakery, Tony Ghost, Tori, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Michaela, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Maharat, Darby, Talia Franks, Justin Harrell, Starlight Loki's Child, Mel Renee, Crimson Russell, Nitsa, Dorita Cart, Daughter of Oak, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Heather Rose, no, Heather Lewis, <laughs> Not sure why I said rose there. It felt right. It felt right. I just vibed. <laughs> I, I just vibed roses vibed with Heather Lewis. Roses with Heather Lewis. <laughs> Sophia Duncan, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Samwise the Blonde, Kitty Catastrophe, Goddess Incognito, Shibe, Rolfer, Andy Olson, La Petite Poison, Cara B, Loriana Lee Knapp, Sammy Prouty, Melissa Gerben, Megan Kipper, Corvus Felliday, Kai Oakenshield. Ryan Hopkins, Melkor, Roshala and Dasveed, David Dashifen Keys, Amy Martin, Darian, Sky Bierce, Jax, Ushi Ursa, Victoria Selness, Elisa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Quinn Ann ASMR, Dahlia Darge, Jace Helmer, Alora Driver, Jessica Jones, Charles Howison, and Stevie Thompson. We love you, hunters. Yes, we do. Thank and- you to all of our hunters. We have 13 leopards. And their names are Jody Cozy, Nolan Hayes, Nicholas, Luna, Swan Fairywater, Kitty Robinson, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Shadows Raven 666, Eleanor Faithful, Chris Colibri, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love you, leopards. We have two panthers, and their names are Don Taylor and Melissa Negron Schilling. We love you, panthers. We have five tigers. And their names are Weavers of the Web ATC, 
Jim Two Snakes, Tree Wizard Creations, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love you, tigers. Yes. And finally, we have our Jaguar. Jaguar. There are two of them, and their names are Lori Phillips and Justin Stanage. We love our Jaguars. Yes. And that is all of our patrons. Thank you. Thank you. All of our many, many patrons. You know we love you. Yes, we appreciate your support. Yes, we do. Any other housekeeping? Mm, No. I'm doing readings every third Thursday of the month at Valhalla in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Then we are housekept and housewept. I I sort of debated with myself when I was conceptualizing this series whether Mm -hmm. we would do ether or spirit because it's not technically speaking an element in the same way that the other material elements are. That's true. That's true. It was conceived of, ether was conceived of as an element, Mm -hmm. sort of, Mm -hmm. by the ancient Greeks. So Mm -hmm. there's sort of a complicated situation here as to how this got, how how the name got attached to this. Mm -hmm. And when I was doing, you know, some research on this, I found various definitions of what ether Mm -hmm. means. It can mean the clear sky, the upper part uh, beyond the air and above of the air beyond the clouds. Mm -hmm. It could mean that. It can mean the fifth element or the quintessence, Mm -hmm. how uh, alchemists and and scientists of the day explained things like gravity and moving at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. It was having to do with ether. But we also have ether, the personification of the sky, was the son of Erebus and Nick. In one of his many in one of uh, his genealogies. Many, in one of his many genealogies. One, one of the options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of places you could go with this. So the original conception of ether mm-hmm. came from Plato. Right. As, as, as was... a scientific concept. There was this personification of the upper atmosphere, mm-hmm. which was the mythological figure known as Ether. Right. Would he have been a titan? Unclear. So there are obvious, like for most of the Greek gods, there are multiple potential parentages right, of right. Ether. Mm-hmm. So like some of the cosmogenies say that Ether is the son of Nyx mm-hmm. uh, or the child of Nyx. Child sometimes of Ether's Nyx. gender isn't even specified. That's true. That's um, true. Sometimes it is just child. Sometimes Ether is like the source from which everything else sprang mm-hmm. and is sometimes literally envisioned as the cosmic Orphic egg. Right. So it's very unclear where exactly ether the personification Mm -hmm. fits Mm -hmm. in the cosmogony of ancient greek mythology and it sort of depends on when and where you're looking right right (laughs) yes in the sense that ether should regardless predate the olympians right i believe ether would qualify as As a a titan Titan. i believe Mm -hmm. or as some sort of primordial deity right well and i think primordial is the the better Mm -hmm. word to use because Ether is considered like the sun, like the earth. They, those were all considered primordial deities. Yeah. Whether because, they were called they were, titans or not. Right, because they were personifications of, of forces. Yes, exactly. And since ether is uh, the personification of the sky, right. the atmosphere. And the dome of the heavens. The dome of the heavens. And the air that the Olympians breathe. Yeah, so in the mythology, aside from the personification of ether... There was this perception that ether was a substance Mm -hmm. in the upper atmosphere, composing the upper atmosphere, Mm -hmm. where the Olympians lived, Mm -hmm. and that as mortals breathed air, Mm -hmm. Olympians breathed ether. Ether. Yeah. So So ether was both a personification and an element. Yeah. Uh, And it was an element that humans didn't have direct access to. Something that was as essential to the gods as air is to us. Right. So Plato conceptualized ether as the highest form Mm -hmm. of air. Purity, right? Like the the purest the purest, purest form, air yes yeah. plato set forth his theory of the elements and then his student aristotle refined and reconceptualized right. it so mm-hmm. plato's presentation of the elements mm-hmm. had four elements and he did not distinguish ether as a separate element right he distinguished ether as the purest form of the element of, of air. air so then aristotle plato's student initially agrees with this Mm -hmm. and describes ether as the purest form of air and also clarifies that sometimes fire has been mistaken for ether Mm. and ether for fire. So he believes that there are some of the same qualities of fire Mm -hmm. in ether that there are of air in ether. 
But then in a later text, as Aristotle is developing his formula of the elements, mm -hmm. he adds a fifth element, which he does not name. He describes the four elements. Okay. He clarifies them as having the qualities of being hot, cold, dry, right, right, and wet. Right. And then he describes a fifth element that is none of those things. Okay. And that has a unique property mm. of being naturally and constantly moving in circles. Mm -hmm. And he conceptualizes this as the element that forms the celestial spheres. Right. Okay? Right. So he doesn't name it anything, period. Mm -hmm. But he believes that this element, the fifth element that is beyond human understanding, mm -hmm. is why stars move and the right. sun moves and the moon, why celestial bodies move in circles. So Aristotle establishes that there's this fifth element right. which moves in circles right. and which does not match the other elemental right. systems, doesn't have any of the other qualities of the elements that his other element systems have. After Aristotle, other philosophers start referring to the fifth element he describes as ether. Oh, okay. Aristotle never describes it as ether. Aristotle mm. describes ether the way Plato, his teacher, did. I wonder if these later philosophers, philosophers and scientists, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because philosophy yeah. was early science. Right. Brought in ether from the mythologies of their area. Mm -hmm. If that's, you know, if they had a, con a concept of ether as this upper sky, you know, the, the air, right. the, the purest form, whatever. If that's why they attach the name. Could be, or it could be they were just confused. Could be. Um, because Plato had mentioned ether, but didn't mm. include it in his elemental system, and then Aristotle had this fifth element that he didn't so name. It made sense. And so, yeah. yeah. We don't know why this connection was made, but that's how the fifth element in Aristotle's classical elemental system right. became called ether. The qualities that he described mm -hmm. of it having no physical, tangible material properties, but of it constantly moving in circles. Right. Were accepted as, like, basically facts mm -hmm. for a long, long time. And mm -hmm. that's when we start to get into quintessence. Okay. So quintessence was a concept that alchemists sort of built out of the original concept of ether. Okay. Alchemists believed that quintessence was the substance of the heavens, in a way. Mm -hmm. That it was, again, an element that you couldn't really touch or that you couldn't describe or quantify mm -hmm. but they did believe that it was possible to like so early alchemists believed that everything had some amount of quintessence they just had greater or lesser amounts of quintessence so it was believed that like the earth and material elements had much lesser amounts of quintessence and that beyond the earth in mm -hmm. space what you right what we would now call space, space. you know heavens the upper atmosphere uh -huh that that contained higher quantities of quintessence. Mm -hmm. And it was believed that since quintessence was this highest, purest form of matter in the universe, that if you could improve the amount of quintessence in something, you could improve the quality of that thing. That makes sense. So they would try all the time to improve the amount of quintessence in various elixirs, believing that that would allow them to cure diseases mm -hmm. or infirmities. So like there was a, a whole process of like distilling alcohol seven times because the alchemists were very big into like specific numbers and things mm -hmm. to try to refine it to, to its most quintessential form. Right. And we still use that word. Exactly. Quintessential. It's purest form. Mm -hmm. And so the, the effort was to refine something so that you gradually improved its amount of quintessence so that it would be purer and better. Don't you love that we still use that word, quintessential? Mm-hmm. I love that word. It's, it's a, a good word. It's a and, good word. And I think m most people have no idea it no. back to alchemy. No, but it does. It does. And quintessence mm -hmm. and ether. Yes. <laughs> and, and I do think we sort of undervalue the degree to which alchemists were early scientists. Oh, absolutely. Um, they who were, were inheriting early. the earlier science of yes, philosophers. Exactly. I think because of the age of enlightenment, mm -hmm. a lot of, I think, uh, disparagement has been put on the early scientists mm -hmm. as, oh, they didn't really know anything. It's the same right. thing with, you know, medicine. They were just guessing. They were just guessing. It's yeah. like, no, they these were really well thought out mm -hmm. mathematical theories. They were observing their observing environment. Their, and making quantifications. Right, making, making deductions based deductions on the and, information they had. Exactly. And the systems they were working within. Mm -hmm. And I think we have built upon those systems mm -hmm. 
And they and we are still influenced in various ways by those understandings. Well, and so we'll get into some more of the like the scientific theories of ether in a minute. But one thing I noticed and was a little frustrated with while I was doing this research was mm-hmm. so today we do not we no longer believe in ether as an element. No, of course right? not. Yeah. But we do have a theory of dark matter. Mm-hmm. Which is a substance we have no tangible evidence of. Gotta love quantum physics. Uh Uh-huh. It's beyond the standard model. Mm -hmm. It's believed that 85% of the universe is made up of dark matter. Dark matter, yeah. Which is pretty much how people felt about ether back in the day. Mm -hmm. That, like, most of the world probably has some ether involved in it. Mm -hmm. We just can't see it or interact with it in any meaningful way. But we have the evidence of its existence in these various forms, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the same way we treat dark matter. We say, oh, well, the gravity indicates that... There must be this dark matter exerting this effect, right? Yeah. But we can't... We Prove have, it. Right? So, like, the majority of astrophysicists today acknowledge dark matter as the accepted theory of the universal model. The majority of scientists accepted ether as the mm-hmm. the model of the universe. Mm-hmm. Like... It could be same stuff, different words. And so, something that was really frustrating to me was that Neil deGrasse Tyson has a quote... <laughs> Oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Where he says, dark matter ignorance and ether ignorance are very different. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says that, like, the, the ignorance that, that created the concept of ether was based on presuppositions and flights of fancy. Dark matter ignorance is based on logical deductions. And I'm just like, Neil? No, no, no. And that, that... <laughs> you are doing the exact same goddamn process that ancient philosophers mm-hmm. were doing. You just have more sensitive instruments to do it with. Yes, exactly. And I, I think uh, Ivy Rose has said, we wouldn't be where we are now without those first steps. Exactly. And that's exactly right. And I think it is the hubris of modern man. 21st century 21st man. 21st century humanity has a hubris. Mm-hmm where we look down upon the ancients, the people that came before us, but we wouldn't be where we are today in any of our technology, in Mm -hmm. any of our building, in any of our understanding of the cosmos or how the world works or nature or whatever. We wouldn't be anywhere. We wouldn't have modern science without ancient science. Yes, we wouldn't wouldn't have medicine that we have Mm -hmm. today without ancient medicine. Yeah. Did they know everything they were doing? No. No. But we don't know everything we're doing did either. They make, did they make mistakes? Yes. So do we. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We're constantly fucking up and redetermining how our world works with, with new information. Exactly. And I think it's important to remember that, especially when we're talking about a concept like ether. Uh-huh. Which today to us sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. but only because we now know more than we did in 900 BCE. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think we can still appreciate... Mm-hmm. The understanding of ether, as whether as it a is scientific as concept. a scientific concept, as a spiritual concept, right, which we'll get into as well, because because it is both. Yes. So so continuing the the history of mm-hmm. etheric science. Etheric science, <laughs> yes. Because like I said, ether was like a fully established, yeah. like acknowledged. The, the scientific community strongly believed in the existence of ether. Yeah. And that's not even just in Greek. Either was an established scientific theory. Yeah. It was not like a fringe, oh, the Greeks thought this, blah, blah, no, blah. No, no, like, it, <laughs> it was accepted in the, throughout the ancient world yeah. with the learned people because they communicated. Yep. <laughs> so, so in the 17th century, ether was being used to describe theories of gravity. Mm-hmm. So it was believed that ether exerted different levels of pressure on different objects. Right. And that changed, that affected the amount of gravitational effect it experienced. That was an expansion of ancient thought mm-hmm. being, being explored by modern scientists. And in fact, Newton's early work... Mm-hmm. Worked on... Who was considered the father of right. understanding gravity. N- Newton's early work, before he moved to a model of forces right. and, and universal laws, his early work focused on and worked around mm-hmm. the expectation that ether was a an element that existed in the world and was the cause of gravitational forces. Mm-hmm. He eventually moved beyond that. He developed new understandings. He developed mm-hmm. his personal theories of gravity and of forces and laws of motion. Because, hello, that's what scientists do. Exactly. But Newton's original, like his early work, we have his letters mm-hmm. describing the the etheric forces that influenced gravity to other scientist friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very respected scientists started out 
fully invested in the ether concept. Because it was an accepted concept of the time. It, it really was. And it was also used, so there was the concept of a luminiferous or light-carrying ether. This formed the earliest understanding of light as a wave. Mm -hmm. Because it was believed that in order to travel in a wave form, it needed a medium to move through. Mm -hmm. And it was believed that ether was the medium light traveled through the same way sound travels through the air. Mm -hmm. Early models for the travel of light relied on ether. And it wasn't until Einstein came up with the special theory of relativity, mm -hmm. which was thought to be absolutely bananas at the time, yeah. that there was any other explanation for how light traveled. It wasn't until the Michelson-Morley experiment was done. So they believed that because of the presence of ether and because it was believed to have these circular motions that mm -hmm. Aristotle originally described, mm -hmm. it was believed that if you measured the way light traveled in different directions, it mm -hmm. should travel at different speeds. Right. Because it would be moving with or against the current of the ether. Mm -hmm. And the Michelson-Morley experiment proved, and has continued to prove because they've continued to replicate it, because mm -hmm. that's what science does, um, with more and more precise instruments, mm -hmm. that light traveled at the same speed no matter what direction you were measuring it from. Mm -hmm which indicated that there was no medium through which the light was traveling. Yep. But until that experiment was conceived of, performed, and replicated... The other was accepted understanding of how things work. That was the prevailing theory of light. That's very cool, actually. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting to see the the evolution of yes. the, the concept of ether. Like, mm -hmm. from Plato, who thought it was just a refined form of air, mm -hmm. all the way up to... Newton concluding that it didn't explain gravity after all. Mm -hmm. Like Yep. Yep. It was it was part of the world in a in mm -hmm. an understanding of how the world worked. Ivy Rose says science also believed that the cell was the smallest component of life. Then technology changed. Yeah, yeah like, that's how science works. We you get more and more precise instruments, you discover smaller and and more nuanced things. Some scientist gets a wild hair and decides mm -hmm. to <laughs> Figure out how a thing works. Exactly. In a get different the, way. Get this as updating your hypothesis based on data. And yeah. that is the definition of science. Exactly. Join our Tiger Kelly on a visit to Tree Wizard Creations, where you can find custom engraved creations for all paths. They offer unique gifts and tools for altar, home, practice, and family. In addition to their standard product range, they offer custom commissions. If you can dream it, the wizard will create it. Contact them at treewizardcreations at gmail.com. Follow them on Facebook or find them online at treewizardcreations.com. That's tree, W-Y-Z-A-R-D, creations.com. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. All right. So now that we've rambled about the no, science. Because <laughs> I just ether. find it fascinating how. It is fascinating. The evolution of the concept of, of ether as an extant mm -hmm. element versus the modern use of ether mm -hmm. as a spiritual element. Exactly. And I've always also found it fascinating because, you know, the Greeks were this great people who mm -hmm. had these scientific theories, but they also had a, a rich religious and spiritual life. And, and, and many times they, they were interwoven. Yeah. And interwoven, which is why we have ether not only as a concept but as a but as a deity, deity of, of or or a, a personification a personification of ether mm -hmm. of this per, of this pure perfected air essence essence i think that's fascinating and in the modern day honestly you mostly see people referring to the four elements mm -hmm. where you're going to see people starting to refer to the five elements mm -hmm. in the modern day is mostly in modern witchcraft with spirit especially the part that is uh derived from wicca or mm -hmm. from influences from the golden dawn mm -hmm. or things like that yeah where it will usually not be described as ether mm -hmm. it will be described as spirit and in practical terms i think the the modern witchy slash pagan religious concept of spirit mm -hmm. is sort of a connective tissue mm -hmm. that... Between humanity, or between the individual spirit and the universe? Well, and between all things, it and seems all to things, be. So, like, yeah. it seems to be... Kind of like the force. 
Right. So it seems to be imminent, as in it is currently present. Right. It seems to be immaterial, as in you cannot perceive it. Right. And it seems to be interpenetrating, as in it is in and connects all things. Right. I wonder if what we describe as energy, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about auras or the energy of a stone or a plant Mm -hmm. or the energy of a spell, I wonder if energy isn't, in fact, the spell. The element of spirit or ether. Of spirit or ether. Well, it would make sense if it was because it it is a, a force throughout everything. But it depends on how you think about it because, like, ether is the traditionally the upper atmosphere. Right. But yet, where do we send our spell work? Up. Up, generally, generally into the universe. Although sometimes down, sometimes like into, into the, the underworld. Into the underworld. I think this is relevant to something I've often considered about how humans sort of conceptualize the world and 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 how we conceptualize our our work. Because we see ourselves as standing on a flat plane, mm-hmm. we perceive that there is a central point, mm-hmm. which is where we are. Right. And there is below us, which and is the underworld, and above us, mm-hmm. which is the upper world. Right. The ether. The ether. The heavens, the whatever universe. you want to call it. Yeah. But that feels like an incomplete, very like individually centralized mm-hmm. perception because ultimately there's not a flat plane that we're standing on. We're right. standing on an enormous sphere right. that looks flat to us. Because of the way our eyes and the horizon works. But it's not. But it's not. So, like, what we're actually doing is not going flat plane below, mm-hmm. above. Mm-hmm. What we're actually doing is going curved surface mm-hmm. in and out. Mm-hmm. So, the underworld is penetrating deeper into, closer to the core of the earth. Right. And the upper world is penetrating out beyond the atmosphere Mm -hmm. into space. Right. Those are some thoughts I have. I don't have like a defined adjustment to Mm -hmm. like a cosmology, but I do think it's interesting the differences between how we perceive our reality and Mm -hmm. how our reality is actually structured. That's true. And I do think, um, you know, if we're talking about ether spiritually, Mm -hmm. I think it would be interesting to... Ether the deity. Ether the deity. Ether the personification of that upper atmosphere, mm-hmm. it might be interesting to, you know, when we're, right, when we're casting a spell. Working with spirit. When we're working to with spirit. To what extent are we working with ether, with ether. The, the being? Yeah. And like we're sending our spell, our energy mm-hmm. out. Up uh, into. Up into it, the. Up or out, yeah. Into, up or out into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Into, into ether's into realm. Into ether's realm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should. Start seeing if we connect with ether yeah. and saying, hey, I've got this spell I'm working. It's going into your plane right. of existence well, up there. Right. Will, uh, will you grant it passage or, yeah. or lend it strength yeah. or et cetera, et cetera? That's kind of an interesting concept because I had never really thought of ether as the deity or the, right. or the personification of Or even air. a place. Or I even think a I've, place. I've always thought yeah. of ether more as the quintessence concept. Right, right. And spirit. More as yeah. the quintessence concept more of like, it. And energy. Exactly. Like of the it being, force. Exactly. Of it being something that's sort of in and through yeah. and around yeah. everything to varying degrees. Right. But the concept of ether as like a distinct... Person. Being. being. Yeah. A being is a, a better A being word. and a place. A being and a place. And I think this is one of those situations where it's an and question rather than a, a which one question. Mm-hmm. Like this is one of those places where I'm happy to concede like all of these things can be true uh, simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. In part because something I really enjoy about the history of ether scientifically and mm-hmm. um, sort of ether's role uh, as a, a spiritual element today is that I think it sort of stands in for a thing we don't know enough about yet. Uh-huh. Or a thing we can't perceive. Even when I've read, like, like there are uh, obviously a thousand 101 witchcraft books out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and often they will touch on the elements and they'll mention spirit right. as one of the elements, especially in relation to the pentacle. Right. And I think I'll, a lot of times I think when they're talking about spirit, they are talking just this unknowable force. Right. This, the, and they talk about it in this very mm-hmm. vague terms as sort of like this ambiguous... Mm-hmm. spiritual essence right. that just everyone has connection, connection to, to mm-hmm. and, and can access. Right. Sometimes they specifically call it a higher self right. or talking to the universe. Mm-hmm. But often it's it's described in these very vague terms. And I think it's, it's our acknowledgement in a way 
without like fully coming out and saying it as witches, that there's mm-hmm. a component to doing magic right. that we just can't quantify and don't understand. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that element, whatever it is, however you define it, is mm-hmm. ether. Yeah. There's just some aspect of how spells work that we can't perceive mm-hmm. and that we can't completely control mm-hmm. and that we don't understand. Starlight Loki's Child asks, do you think we use spirit in terms of the pentacle as a way to justify the fifth point? Like trying to make the elements fit on the pentacle and we in general were just like, well, got an open spot, guess we'll fit something. <laughs> I, To a certain extent, a I do think that is true, yes. To a certain extent, I do think that Aleister Crowley and some of his contemporaries mm-hmm. were looking at the pentacle. We've talked before about how the five-pointed star has been a powerful symbol uh, across cultures across and and so yes to some extent i think there was just a well we have four elements and yeah but the thing is it it had been defined earlier Mm -hmm. aristotle way back in ancient greece was saying no there's a fifth element i just don't know exactly how to define it but i i think they also used spirit in the pentacle Mm -hmm. as a way to connect humanity Mm -hmm. to the pentacle or at the individual right through spirit does that make sense? At least that's what Elaborate. I Elaborate. This is how I've understood it. And maybe I've been interpreting it incorrectly. <laughs> but, you know, when I see the pentacle and I have the four elements, air, earth, fire, water, and add that fifth spirit, mm-hmm. that is a direct connection to me. So it's your spirit. Yes. It's not like spirit as a well, concept. Well, I think, I think it is spirit as a concept that I can connect to. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Not necessarily my spirit, but that unknowable. Right energy, that unknowable spirit that I can connect to through the pentacle. And like I said, that is uh, a personal gnosis thing. That's just my own right. interpretation. I could be completely where, completely off. That, that, that's how I've always approached it, is that it is kind of this unknowable force that I can connect to the universe. Ivy Rose says it goes along with the sixth sense as a word for an intangible thing. Yeah. Or an intangible perception, I yeah. guess. So yeah, sometimes we're just trying to... Humans like just defining things, Yeah, I think is what it comes down we to. We quantify, we define, we categorize. And that's a great quality. It's how science has advanced this mm-hmm. far. It's how we got things like the Michelson-Morley experiment that's that said, right. hang on, this force we all agreed was there can't be measured and so probably doesn't exist. Constantly doing that work is is part of the human experience. Right. But at the same time, I think it sometimes pushes us, especially in the modern day, Mm -hmm. it pushes us to sort of discount experiences that we can't explain. Right. And I think that does a a disservice to the spiritual half of the the human experience. Agreed. I think there are just some things we are not going to understand in this life. Exactly. I think there are, or or maybe ever, maybe not in any life. In any life, There are just some things that I'm comfortable accepting and acknowledging that I will always be ignorant about. They are a mystery. They are, yeah, they are beyond my understanding. Yep. Um, Because they may always be beyond the understanding of humankind. Yeah, because despite what we like to think, humanity is limited. Brutal frankness moment. We're not the center of the universe. Nope. We're not even the center of planet Earth. Nope. We feel very important and special to ourselves. Yep. But we ultimately are not. And so, yeah, there are going to be things about the universe we just never understand it's not even that we're not meant to understand them it's just that it's not relevant to us like it's it's so far beyond our comprehension that it's never even going to intersect with us right as al is saying the universe is very very big and we are very very small Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and so like i understand that can be intimidating or or can be a disheartening thought to people but i do not find it intimidating or disheartening at all i find it in a way, sort of empowering to just say, here's my sphere. Mm-hmm. This is my sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. This is my sphere of understanding. There are things beyond it mm-hmm. that I will never even know are beyond it because they're so far beyond it that I'll never perceive them. We can say that about even our own existence just with other people in the world. Exactly. This is something I've talked about all the time. Language is our poor attempt to mm-hmm. communicate our inner states to outer beings. Mm-hmm. And it is never, ever going to be 100% accurate. Exactly. Gwen will never know exactly what my experiences are, and I will never know what her experiences are, no matter how clearly we communicate mm-hmm. to each other. 
There are just some things we can't or won't ever know. Mm -hmm. And it comes right down to there are people living a few houses down. I don't know who they are. I know nothing about them. I will never probably even intersect with them. That's part of life. So on a very small scale and on a very large scale, there are just things we don't, can't, and won't know. Yeah. And that's okay. I do think there's value in bringing that into your spiritual pursuit Mm -hmm. and embracing unknowing as part of your spiritual experience. Yeah. So I think accepting ether or spirit Mm -hmm. as an element can be part of accepting, I don't know how this works. Mm -hmm. I think inviting ether to work with you as part of your spell work Mm -hmm. or as part of your magic or as part of your religious practice Mm -hmm. is in a way inviting, ignorance has such a negative connotation, so I want a different word, but inviting kind of a productive ignorance. Yeah. It's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know if I can ever really know who you are, but I would still, I would like to work with you in my limited understanding. Exactly. (laughs) And we talked about this a little bit before in previous episodes about Mm -hmm. how the elements, all of the elements, Mm -hmm. even the ones we can see and touch and feel and in some ways comprehend and understand are still much bigger and beyond us. Qualities of the elements Mm -hmm. that... I'm never going to be able to touch and that aren't relevant to me. I like what Swan just said, inviting the great mystery. Yes. And isn't that what witchcraft is all about? Yeah, and I think... In many ways. I think we've lost some of that. And the religions, they are the mystery religions. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be... It's not just secret practices that Mm -hmm. only a small amount of people know about. I think it is... There is just a great mystery, some of which we may be able to touch... And understand and learn about, but there's an even greater mystery that beyond it. Beyond it, that we will never know. But we are in. We are inviting it to become part of our experience. Yeah, you can touch the face of a mystery. Yeah, you can never embody the mystery. Yes, and there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to know everything. Now, I'm not saying. Don't go out and learn. Don't learn new things. Obviously. Obviously. Learn and expand your knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, Embrace your curiosity. We're always always saying, you know, you have to, especially in a a pagan practice Mm -hmm. or in a witchcraft practice, it is a practice and it it is something you're constantly learning and working toward Mm -hmm. and building and growing. That's part of your experience. But there's also this concept of there are just some things you will never know. I just, I don't, I don't know how to des- describe this, I guess, any more than, than mm-hmm. to say, embrace your lack of knowledge. Again, to me, ether is, is a, is a great mystery. Yeah. Is a great mystery. This is what I was going to say. We, I think something we've lost in modern witchcraft, especially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some extent in modern paganism, but witchcraft especially, mm-hmm. is that we like formulas. Yes, we do. Yeah. We like reproducibility. Mm-hmm. That's why we have all those spell books. Exactly. We like to have these very structured ways to affect the universe around us. Mm-hmm. And I think in building that kind of witchcraft, mm-hmm. we are cutting ourselves off from these wilder, more primordial, mm-hmm. more ambiguous, uh-huh. less controllable mm-hmm. forces. Forms, forms of magic. Mm-hmm. I think it would be great. Mm-hmm. I think it would behoove us to be open to working with these unknowable forces Mm -hmm. these wilder chaos magic i guess or chaos well the thing is even even the chaos magicians Mm -hmm. they have systems yeah they do i think they're trying to control the chaos yeah i i think there are there are opportunities out Mm -hmm. there for Mm -hmm. us to maybe not all the time sometimes you want something reproducible right exactly sometimes that's valuable but there are opportunities i think for us to Take the structure out. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Just vibe. Just yeah. follow the vibe follow of the vibe. magic. Yep. Because if the ether is anything, it is the vibe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The energy, the vibe, the, you know, and use your intuition to connect with that. Mm-hmm. I, I love Astrea Taylor. And one of her things is about intuitive witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And I have always been an intuitive witch. And so I think that would be an interesting way to explore working with Aether. Just through that intuitive, okay, how do I work this spell? Mm-hmm. What do I need for this spell? And how do I incorporate it to include or request assistance? Right. Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? And, and reach out through your intuition. 
And I say that I, very much as a person who likes rules and structure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so part of my challenge as a witch, and like one of the reasons I work with Loki, right. has been challenging myself to explore different ways of interacting with, with magic, with religion, with myself and my understanding of myself and my place in the world. So I understand that this can be scary. Oh yeah, absolutely. And difficult, but I think it's a worthy challenge to undertake, at, mm. at least at least in limited ways. Yeah. Like I'm not saying you have to throw away your whole practice, but I'm saying open up spaces in your practice mm-hmm. for these moments of of being untamed. Untamed wild ethereal ethereal (laughs) ethereal and reach out to this etheric being Mm -hmm. or energy or quintessence Mm -hmm. or the force or the force and see what happens i think it could be exciting yeah i'm jim two snakes and if you're looking to get unstuck in some aspect of your spirituality and i think spirituality permeates every aspect of our lives from career to love and you're interested in things like magic, tarot, or spirit work, go check out my webpage. There's some free PDFs with no sign-up or obligation, and I have a new partnership with Snipfeed, which allows you to buy services like readings or breakthrough sessions for you or as a gift. Let me help you get unstuck and find your path. jim2snakes.net or snipfeed.co forward slash jim2snakes. Hail Dictinus on Jim's behalf. <laughs> yeah, Hail Dictinus. We could talk, I guess, about ways to bring mm-hmm. ether into your practice, but I do think very much it's going to be follow the vibe. Yeah, follow. <laughs> the, and, and who knows? Maybe George Lucas was on to something with this concept right? of the Force. Close your eyes, meditate, see what comes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, try to do this thing without a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Use You know, use your intuition. And it doesn't have to be anything big or major. It could be something... Very simple. But I, I, again, I like this concept for me that I think I'm going to try working with. This concept of I'm sending this spell, this work, this energy, this energy, this work into the atmosphere, into this realm of ether. Right. You and I obviously, as always, have different opinions. Yes, obviously. (laughs) I like the idea that the energy is ether. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, I kind of enjoy the idea of like, I've done this work. Mm-hmm. With all of the elements and spirits at my at my disposal, right, yep. all, all of my companions and relationships, Spirit allies, yep. I've done this work and I've crafted this thing of energy, which is ether. Was it? Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I am also sending, sending that to, to ether, ether and being yeah. like, "I returned this to you. Do with it what you will. Hopefully, yeah. what I asked for." <laughs> I think you could do it either way. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think both ways are. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And again, this is one of those situations where even though Gwen and I have different worldviews, mm-hmm. and so we're perceiving this thing differently, I think we are ultimately perceiving the same thing just through different frameworks. Yeah. Different understandings, different ideas of how to work with this mm-hmm. that are compatible and understandable in both ways. Mm-hmm. And I think either is a valid way to perceive it. And yeah. I think there are going to be many other ways of perceiving ether or spirits. Exactly. I think it's going to be an individual kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think this is something that you say, this is, you do this, this, and this, and woo, you worked with ether. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You have connected you have to the connected. ether. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to take the individual to figure out how to work it for themselves. I don't think there's a formula for no. this. I think it's antithetical to formulas. Yeah. Ether is the vibe, as yep. Ivy Rose says exactly. And and something else that um, that occurred to me that I forgot to mention is that I think ether is liminal mm. in a way that the other elements, the classical material mm-hmm. elements, are not. So maybe reach it through a liminal deity. Mm-hmm. You know, or through I a liminal with, space. Or through a liminal space. I work with a number of liminal deities. I I love working in liminal spaces. Mm-hmm. So that definitely could be a so, way. Yeah, so if you're having a hard time sort of connecting to this idea of ether mm-hmm. or to your concept of ether. Yeah, to your understanding um, of it. Maybe go stand in a doorway. A do- yeah. All doorways are liminal spaces. So go stand in a doorway and do some meditation there in mm-hmm. that more liminal territory Mm -hmm. or crossroad mm -hmm. or so that might be a way to sort of ease the transition yeah yeah because you can kind of sense this connection this or honestly if it's we're talking about the atmosphere we're talking about the air Mm -hmm. maybe through the element of air like by sitting out in an open field 
connecting to the the, the sky, the sky, the big empty sky. The you know, and and just vibing with that energy. Yeah, see what you get. See what you get. It is, I think, useful to to consider that Plato believed ether was purified, rarefied air, uh-huh. and Aristotle noted that it had been confused sometimes with fire. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe. both of those elements may be useful in comprehending mm-hmm. ether. Mm-hmm. And um, I also think it's very relevant that Aristotle believed the movements of the heavens were the result of ether. So mm-hmm. if you want to understand ether, work with the heavenly bodies. That's the, the celestial ex- objects, exactly. astrology. Exactly. Do some stargazing. Mm-hmm. We we've talked before about how like the understanding of a deity can change over time. Right. And exactly. the character of a deity can evolve. Mm-hmm. And so I do wonder if the long spans of time where ether was associated with the travel of light mm-hmm. and with the pressures exerted on objects to create gravitational forces. I do mm-hmm. wonder if those things, even if they weren't originally the province of ether, have mm-hmm. become the province mm-hmm. of ether. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense because that is what happened with the other deities. Mm-hmm. Just you know, they—that's why so many of them, so many of them, have multiple areas of influence mm-hmm. because they different areas they pick up new things. They pick up new things in different cultures or different communities mm-hmm. or you know things like that. They attach them to these deities, and maybe the same for Ether as a personification, as a deity. As as has grown and evolved. Mm -hmm. As our understanding of Ether as an element has grown, evolved, declined, Mm -hmm. (laughs) changed. Changed over time. Because although we now believe, at the very least... Uh, I I, hesit- I I almost hesitate to say we know ether doesn't exist as a as an element because we knew for a very long time that it did and now we know that dark matter does but none of this has been proven exactly <laughs> because it's non matter exactly <laughs> so, so but we now believe that ether as an element does not exist mm-hmm. as a perceivable as element. a perceivable as an That's element that word. has as not even perceivable as an element that has any effect on the world right or, or the forces of the universe right. Ether, from a scientific perspective, does not exist. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean the spiritual ether doesn't exist. Exactly. And that's kind of where I land. Yeah. I land in the, well, okay, it may not exist in our physical understanding, but we can understand it through our spiritual existence. As a spiritual force. As a spiritual force in our witchcraft, in our religions, whatever. The thing is, we have all accepted as witches and pagans that the energy we talk about mm-hmm. is a purely spiritual energy. Oh, absolutely. It's not the energy science talks about. No. It's not measurable by science. Nope. You have to accept that as part of the premise of being a witch or pagan. Yep. So if we accept that energy as a spiritual force distinct from physical energy exists, mm-hmm. there's no reason we shouldn't be able to accept that ether as a spiritual element mm-hmm. as distinct from a physical element exactly. exists. Exactly. And so I, I have no problem with and, that. And, and indeed, I do sort of believe that um, spiritual energy and spiritual ether have some overlap. I think so. Absolutely. Either that they are the same thing or that spiritual energy is transmitted through spiritual ether in the way we once thought that light was transmitted through physical ether or it could just be a a change in terminology it could be yeah it could very much be that what we used to call ether we We now now call call energy energy. Mm -hmm. exactly just because that's how language evolves Mm -hmm. I have no evidence either way. <laughs> no, no, but I, I, it's plausible. Uh-huh. It's, I, I think that's another framework in which you could mm-hmm. understand ether. Yeah. As just the ancient form or term for energy. Yeah, yeah. Energy <laughs> Swan goo. says ether is energy goo. <laughs> <laughs> I think, that, like I said, I think there are multiple ways you could perceive or, or understand or interact with ether. Mm-hmm. There are no definitive answers about right. ether. Because it is something imperceivable and immaterial. And intangible. Yeah. It's not like the other four elements. Yeah. We're never going to be able to touch it. Right. But we may be able to perceive it in a... With a, it, with a sixth with sense. With a sixth sense. Exactly. I just, I feel like, you know, it's one of those things where if it doesn't vibe with you, if this... Right. You, you know, don't, you can, you can, you, you don't can, have to use you it. You don't have to use it. You don't even have to think about it. And in fact, you don't have to use the four classical elements either. Uh -uh. Modern science no longer does. Modern science now has moved on to states of matter instead Mm -hmm. of elements uh, of matter. Exactly. And, you know, witchcraft, it, it... evolves and it changes and mm-hmm. it you know that's that's the whole point. So I feel like this episode is maybe less satisfying just because there's 
not even necessarily less to talk about, but there are just fewer facts. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's just the nature because of the beast. Because it's an esoteric kind of concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the way esoteric concepts are. Yeah. Sometimes there's just not a satisfactory answer. Sometimes when you talk about the mystery, all you end up with is more mystery. More mystery. <laughs> and that's okay. We come with no answers. That's right. Only more questions. Exactly. And our own radical theories. So yeah, I guess my final thought is just embrace mysteries. Agreed. And and chase them a little bit. Make some make some space yeah. in your life for mysteries. Sometimes the purpose of a mystery is not for you to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. Just accept the mystery on its to own be terms. be part of it. Yeah. Just to, to dwell within the mystery. Yes. I think one of the best things we can do as magical people. Yeah. I, I would say almost even make no effort to solve this particular mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's even really a point to solving no. this one. No. I think the mystery is the power mm-hmm. of ether. Exactly. All right. So we're going to call that it for this episode. You can find us on Google if you Google the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. Or the number three and the words pagans and a cat. Mm-hmm. We're on all the social media. Um, Gwen is on the social media. Well, okay, I'm on the social media. <laughs> I haven't been as active recently for a very a variety of reasons. Gwen has a blog on Patheos Pagan. Mm-hmm. We have a Patreon, mm-hmm. as you heard at the start of this episode. That's right. So if you want to, uh, you know, help us out, go mm-hmm. to the, our Patreon. We have a Red Bubble. We have a Red Bubble with some very interesting things that were designed by Ode. Yes. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's it. All so right. that's all the stuff. Yeah. Google. Go Google go, us. Yeah, go find those go find those go. stuffs. Yeah, go find the stuff. The great that's, mystery. Those are mysteries you're allowed to solve. That's yes. The mis- <laughs> the three pack mysteries. So, solve the three pack mystery. And just <laughs> embrace and dwell within the, the ether mystery. That's, <laughs> that's what right. we'll be doing. That's right. That's what we'll be doing. <laughs> all right, y'all have a lovely week. Enjoy Mother's Day, which is coming yes, up. Imminent. Imminently. Um and, and my sympathies to those of you who for one reason or another will justly not be enjoying Mother's mm-hmm. Day. Yeah, this will be the first Mother's Day without my mother. Yeah. So my sympathies to you who no longer have mothers or mm. who have mothers you do not wish to celebrate. Exactly. Um, and there maybe... is absolutely no shame in not celebrating a mother who is not worthy of it. Exactly. But if there is a mother figure, mm-hmm. perhaps do something special with that person. And also, it is Teacher Appreciation Week. Yes. So love on your teachers a little bit. Goodbye, all, and we'll see you again next week where we will be doing what should be the final episode of the Element series. All right, goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.